Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we look at the 2026 FIFA World Cup qualifiers on across the continent as Mohamed Salah scores four times in Egypt's opener. We also analyse the situation where many teams are playing home games outside of their countries as they don't have FIFA-approved stadiums, despite CAF having cracked down on this a couple of years ago. And we have an interview with Nigeria defender Tyrone Ebuehi, who plays for Empoli in the Italian Serie A. After injury problems, Ebuehi is doing well in Italy. Uh, I'm enjoying. Uh, it's my third season now, Serie A. Uh, my first season was difficult when I came to Venezia. That's coming up later, and a lot too on the English Premier League with Stuart, including his reflections on the epic 4-4 draw between Chelsea and Manchester City. But uh, we start the show on a very sad note as Ghana striker Rafael Duamena died last Saturday, aged 28, after collapsing on the pitch during a league match in Albania. Duamena was the leading scorer in the Albanian league this season with nine goals. He played nine times for the Black Stars and scored two goals for his country. Now, back in 2017, a proposed $17 million move to Brighton fell through after Duamena failed a medical. He went on to play for Levante in La Liga and for Real Zaragoza on loan, also in Spain. In 2021, he collapsed during a cup match in Austria, but recovered and continued his playing career. He reportedly had a heart operation and had an automatic defibrillator implanted although that was later to be removed. Uh, Well, Ida, this is yet another story of African players with heart problems, and it seems like Dwaymena was very much aware of the risk that he was taking. Indeed, he did, Steve. And his cardiologist, Dr. Antonio Asso, he wrote an open letter in a Spanish newspaper and said that Dwaymena actually had the defibrillator removed before his death. And the doctor also says that he tried countless times to convince Duomena to retire from football, but that they subsequently lost touch, and the doctor knew that it would ultimately just be a matter of when, not if, such a tragedy would happen again. And it's quite the curious case, you know, why the player decided to have the device removed because it was a defibrillator that saved his life when he collapsed in Austria. Look, deciding to forego medical advice and continue playing football had already affected his life chances by a solid amount, safe to say. But the implanted device could clearly save him in a bad situation. I mean, it's what the likes of Christian Eriksen play with, you know, since he got back into football after his Euro 2020 collapse. And he's been doing just fine. Others have as well before him. So it is possible. But having it removed for Duamena was akin to signing a death sentence. But according to the player, he said that if his time did come, then it would be God's will. Steve, Dwomena made nine appearances for Ghana from 2017 to 2018, and he scored twice on his international debut. Now, if you talk to Ghanaians, 
Some will tell you that Wamena got people really excited because they hoped that they'd finally found an able replacement for Gian. Ultimately, it wasn't to be, you know, but his debut was unforgettable. Yes, and such promise he held at that time. Uh, so Ida Dwamena, one of many cases of African players uh, who have played with heart problems. Steve, I find it an interesting coincidence that Dwamena's heart condition was discovered at Brighton, which is where the heart condition of another African player, Zambian Enoch Mwepu, was also discovered. The 24-year-old was forced to retire in October last year after being diagnosed with a hereditary heart condition and was then appointed as an academy coach in December. Now, that was brilliant by the English club, you know, to still keep Mwepu on in a different capacity. I mean, sure, it's not the same as playing in front of thousands every weekend, but you are still connected to what you love. And it's an example as well, you know, to show the different paths that can be taken in the wake of such an illness being discovered. Mwepu, on his part, decided to retire and seek different avenues into football. Now, in fact, Mwepu received medical treatment again, you know, at the start of this year after feeling discomfort in his chest, and he went in for precautionary tests. So you can see how different the two paths are. Steve, Duamena's death was followed by the shocking death of former Zimbabwe goalkeeper George Chigova at just 32 years old. He had been diagnosed with a heart condition and was on leave from his club, Supersport FC, after he collapsed in training last year. Steve, earlier this year in May, another PSL player, Sipa Mandla Mtolo, collapsed in training and died. May these players and others who've met a similar fate, Steve, the list is so long, from Mark Vivian Foe, Shiek Tiote, Patrick Ikeng, Michael Umanika, Sam Okwaraji, Benidrisa Derme, and so many others, Steve. May they rest in peace. Yes, it's really sad. And uh, we're still getting more details, by the way, on the former Zimbabwe national team goalkeeper, George Chikova, who died in his sleep on Tuesday night in South Africa. He had decided to return to training after that heart issue, despite being advised not to. So all very sad, all very concerning. We hope that we'll see an end of these issues of African players being affected by heart problems. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, the road to the 2026 FIFA World Cup is underway, with teams playing twice in this international window. Uh, there are 54 teams in nine groups of six, with the group winners qualifying automatically for the 2026 finals. Remember, Africa has nine guaranteed slots at the 2026 World Cup. Well, Nigeria dropped points in a shock 1-1 draw at home to Lesotho in Uyo on Thursday. Lesotho went ahead on 56 minutes and the Super Eagles leveled nine minutes later through West Brom defender Semi Ajay. 
Mohamed Salah scored four times as Egypt beat Djibouti 6-0, one of his goals from the spot. Algeria beat Somalia 3-1, an own goal, one from uh, Baghdad Buneja and one from Islam Slimani. Uh, Burundi beat the Gambia 3-2, that match was played in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. DR Congo beat Mauritania 2-0, Johan Wisser of Brentford uh, on target uh, for the DRC. Mozambique won 3-2 away to Botswana, Gabon beat Kenya 2-1. And Zimbabwe back from an 18-month FIFA suspension drew 0-0 away to Rwanda on Wednesday. They'll be staying in Rwanda to play a home game against Nigeria there on Sunday. Now, there are many teams playing home games outside their countries as they don't have FIFA-approved stadiums, despite CAF having cracked down on this a couple of years ago. Um, Tell us more about how it's looking, Ida, and uh, is this tough approach achieving results in terms of countries upgrading their stadiums? Well, Steve, it's much of the same since 2021. That was when CAF began its crackdown on Stadia. Because I remember this exact scenario happening before the Qatar World Cup qualifiers then as well. Currently, 17 of 53 teams in action over the next week will host games on neutral ground. Morocco, for instance, will provide home ground for seven African countries. But Steve, the irony is that despite Morocco being used as home by so many, the Atlas Lions themselves will not actually play any home game this round because their first will be in June next year. Also welcoming visiting teams in the next week are Egypt, Ivory Coast, Liberia, Libya, South Africa and Tanzania for games that don't involve them. And cost-cutting is also a huge consideration here, Steve. Gambia, for example, will travel about 6,000 kilometers to Tanzania for back-to-back games. They'll first face Burundi and then stick around for their home game four days later against the Ivory Coast. Frankly, Steve, it's a mess. Former Egypt coach Carlos Queiroz, well, he once described the African round of qualifiers as one of the hardest things he's ever done. (laughs) And, you know, with weeks like these, you see why. And Kenya is in the same boat. The only lucky thing for the national team is that their first home game is next year, June. Though, as we know in African football, that's not really saying too much. (laughs) As for the success stories, well, there have been some. FIFA has helped member federations in Liberia and Mauritania develop their stadiums through the FIFA forward funding. Right, that's good, but a very, very long way to go with the 17 countries playing home games outside their country in these qualifiers in this current window. Well, thanks, Ida. In other African football news, South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns won the inaugural edition of the African Football League, beating Widad Casablanca of Morocco 2-0 in Pretoria to take the final 3-2 on aggregate. So after all of the controversy about why Africa is having a Super League when Europe rejected theirs, the competition went by pretty fast, eight teams taking part in a quick-fire knockout format with two games played a week. 
it wasn't screened on TV. People could only watch online. So, to be honest, it was a non-event really for the majority of African football fans. Uh, the promise is, though, that it will be back next year, much bigger and better.、Uh, the initial talk was of 20 teams participating.、Uh, so, well done to the champions, Mamelodi Sundowns, who have been underachieving a bit in the CAF Champions League in the last few years. And it could be an amazing double for Sundowns as the third edition of the CAF Women's Champions League ends on Sunday in Ivory Coast with the 2021 champions Mamelodi Sundowns ladies of South Africa playing Morocco's SC Casablanca in the city of Corhago. Now Mamelodi Sundowns ladies beat the reigning champions AS Far of Morocco 1-0 in the semi-finals in the clash of the two former champions. SC Casablanca meanwhile drew 2-2 with Ghana. As Ampem Darqua and went through on penalties in a shootout. So we'll see on Sunday who comes out the champions, whether it's Mamelodi Sundowns ladies or Morocco's SC Casablanca. And the 2023 Under-17 FIFA World Cup is continuing in Indonesia. 24 teams there, including four African teams.、Uh, so far, it's looking very good for the continent.、Uh, Morocco continuing their great run with their various national teams.、Uh, they qualify from Group A as group winners, beating the host Indonesia 3-1 in the final group game on Thursday to top the group and probably to eliminate the hosts. Although they do have a slim chance of going through as one of the best third. Place teams,、uh, Mali are through from Group B. They had a five-one win over Canada to make it two wins from three.、Uh, Senegal are through from Group D. They had wins over Argentina and Poland, seeing them qualify after just two games.、Uh, Burkina Faso, though, lost their first two games in Group E. They'll need a big win over South Korea on Saturday to have a chance of progressing as one of the best third-place teams. Uh, the round of 16 starts on Monday, so Morocco, Mali, and Senegal definitely through to the knockout stage. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the pulsating eight-goal thriller between Chelsea and Manchester City. You can follow us on X at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show any time, and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store, and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. We'll、now to our interview with Nigeria defender Tyrone Ebuehi, who plays for Empoli in the Italian Serie A. Ebuehi is 27. He's been in and out of the Super Eagles squad due to injuries that have affected his career. He was left out of the squad for these ongoing World Cup qualifiers, but was in for last month's friendlies in Portugal and started the 2-2 draw against Saudi Arabia.、Uh, with Empoli this season, he's had nine starts and has provided one assist. Now, Ebuehi started his professional club career with Den Haag in the Netherlands in 2014. He then went to Benfica in Portugal and was loaned to Twente in the Netherlands and to Venezia in Italy before moving to Empoli last year. Now, Ebuehi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji on returning to the Nigeria national team last month and on finally enjoying life in Italy after a stop-start run as a professional. Yeah, true.、Uh, I'm enjoying.、Uh, it's my third season now. This will be my third season in uh, Serie A.、Uh, my first season was difficult when I came to Venezia.、Uh, again,、uh, yeah, a lot of injuries, muscle injuries. So、uh, 
yeah, and I think also getting used to the country and the playing style is different. Um, so yeah, my first season was, was tough, but, um, luckily, uh, my second, last season went great for me. And, uh, yeah, I think some, sometimes things need time, uh, to adapt, uh, to speak the language, to co- learn the culture, the playing style. But, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying. Um, earlier you were talking about, you know, how you're enjoying and everything. Do you speak Italian now? Yeah, yeah, I speak Italian. I learned the language um, because my third year already, and also it's quite or not quite. It's a little bit similar to to Portuguese, so for me it went went really easy. Earlier, you talked about some of the muscle problems that you had. Have you now? Do you understand your body better now than before? Before your, you know, the serious injury you had, and then all of those nickel 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 injuries that you are. Do you understand your body better now? Yeah, I think, uh, especially after, um, my, my knee injury when I was in Benfica, uh, I started to learn more about taking care of your body and also learning more about my own body. Um, but of course, when you come to another country, uh, like I said, another playing style, higher intensity, all those things, yeah, you need to adopt. And, um, in the beginning, it was hard. Um, but I said, um, when I had another opportunity in Empoli in my second season, I said, okay, now how I know how everything is going after my year in Venezia. So let me try this again. Um, also, I like the challenge. Uh, and I know deep inside me that uh, I can, uh, I could do better and could succeed also in Italy. So, um, yeah, I think also with the small injuries and especially after my big first injury, my knee injury, uh, yeah, you learn more about, about yourself and about your body. Every player in the Super League says Tyron keeps to himself. He doesn't. Um, is it a matter of being an introvert, or that's just your nature? Like you just like to. <laughs> it's just football for you. And no, I think that's also uh, a little bit uh, how I am already since I was was young. Uh, but I think now that I'm older, um, also I know all the players or almost everyone. Um, so I just feel comfortable, but it's just how I, uh, how I am, how I am. I'm not a, a, a person that speaks too much or, uh, is really loud inside the team. Um, but, uh, if I'm comfortable with you, uh, I can always speak and speak about whatever with you. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Well, that is Nigeria defender Tyrone Ebuehi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji. Ebuehi plays for Empoli in the Italian Serie A. Lots of injury problems over the years for him that sent him in and out of the Super Eagles squad, uh, not in the squad for these ongoing World Cup qualifiers, but did play in the friendlies last month for the Super Eagles in Portugal and are doing well this season with nine starts and one assist so far. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir in the UK. And uh, Stuart, what a game last week. An amazing pulsating thriller as Chelsea drew 4-4 with Manchester City. Well, Steve, isn't it lovely to be talking about football? The Chelsea-Man City game was the game of the year, possibly the game of the decade. Eight goals brilliant football, no unnecessary VAR interventions. City scored first, then Chelsea led 2-1, then 3-2 to Manchester City, 3-all. City seemed to have won it in the 86th minute, only for Chelsea to get a late penalty. I think a draw was a fair result, and Chelsea fans will be delighted with the fight 
their players showed getting a draw after being behind three times. From an African perspective, great to see Nicholas Jackson, whose career with Chelsea wasn't easy at the start of the season, but he scored again. Chelsea, you know, Steve, used to be sponsored by a mobile phone company called Three. But this was a 4-4 draw, meaning that Chelsea have now won four, drawn four and lost four. But it was a game of high quality and lots of intriguing individual contributions and uh, rivalries. Let's start with the managers. Pep Guardiola, former Barcelona player, against Pochettino, who used to play for Espanyol, the other club in Barcelona. Two of Chelsea's goals were scored by Raheem Sterling and Cole Palmer, Manchester City rejects, as they say. Players who were surplus to requirement, allowed to leave. And ironic for both players, their goals come in a week in which Sterling, for all his excellent form, has been omitted from the England squad and Palmer is called up for the first time. Erling Haaland just cannot stop scoring. This is the fourth time in five games that he scored two goals, a penalty followed by a goal in open play each time. And then what about the Brazilian defender Thiago Silva, who scored Chelsea's first goal to join a very exclusive club of four, Terry Sheddingham, Ryan Giggs and Dean Windas, the only four players who've scored in the Premier League after their 39th birthday. And do you know one other thing that pleased me about the game was Mauricio Pochettino had a rant about the officials but afterwards was big enough to come out and say, I need to apologise to the referee, Anthony Taylor, and the fourth official, because my behaviour is not a good image for me or for football. Good on him. But what can we learn from the result? Well, that Manchester City are now top of the league and already clear favourites to retain their title. Chelsea are still in mid-table, but the way they played... First at Tottenham and then five days later against Manchester City shows that Pochettino now seems to know what his best team is and how he wants to organise them. Chelsea, I think, will only get better. Yeah, Chelsea do seem to be getting much, much uh, better now. Uh, So international break, no English Premier League this weekend. Let's uh, take stock of uh, the rest of the uh, action there, Stuart. Well, Liverpool, Steve, are now second in the league table with Mo Salah scoring two goals as they beat Brentford 3-0 on Saturday lunchtime. And I mention the time of the kickoff because Jurgen Klopp was far from pleased, complaining that it was unfair that he had four international players who had returned midweek from South America and were given less time to prepare for the Premier League than any other club. And then he said in a real club expression, these people who make the decisions do not feel football. Because the problem for the Premier League is it's largely financed by television money. Saturday midday is prime viewing time and Liverpool are a team that everyone wants to watch. So difficult to get away from that. Now Tottenham, who were the early leaders of the Premier League, led at Wolves for 88 minutes, with Brennan Johnson scoring after three minutes his first goal for the club. But then, Wolves scored twice beyond 90 minutes to win 2-1. But of the Tottenham team that started against Chelsea five days earlier, 
there were five Tottenham players unavailable, three injured and two suspended after those red cards against Chelsea. Which may lead us to the conclusion that the Tottenham starting eleven is good enough to challenge for the league title, but the strength and depth is just not quite there at the moment. And incidentally, Steve, this is the third time this season that a team was losing after 90 minutes, but went on to win. Three times this season, but prior to that, it had only ever happened five times. That is five times in 30 years that a team behind after 90 minutes got the win. But then, of course, these days, there's an awful lot more stoppage time. Goals by the Nigerian Awani and Erlanga, the son of the Cameroon international, were not quite enough to stop Nottingham Forest losing 3-2 at West Ham. And what about James Ward-Pruss? He created two of the West Ham goals from set pieces. And in the last two and a half years, he has created 17 goals from dead ball situations, corners or free kicks. What an amazing talent he is with a dead ball. Now, the Brighton manager, Roberto Di Zerbi, may have gotten himself into trouble after Brighton's 1-1 draw with Sheffield United when he said that he didn't like 80% of Premier League referees. I don't like them. I don't like their behaviour on the pitch, he said. He was speaking in the context of Brighton having a player, Mahmoud Daoud, sent off. And on that particular incident, I think a lot of people would have sympathy with his view that it's normally a red card in the modern game, particularly since the intervention of VAR, but in the past it would simply have been seen as an accidental, mistimed tackle with no ill intent. Aston Villa are fifth with their sixth consecutive home win. That's their best start to the season for 90 years. And if you go back to last season, it was their 13th consecutive home win. Remarkable. Manchester United moved up to 7th with a 1-0 win over Luton Town. But they had to rely again on a defender, this time Victor Lindelof scoring the winning goal. That means that Lindelof has scored the same number of Premier League goals this season as Marcus Rashford and Rasmus Hoyland combined. That is one goal. It's interesting though, Steve, the Opta data shows that Manchester United are creating as many chances as any other club, but their statistics for converting chances into goals is the worst in the Premier League. One goal every four and a half good chances results in a goal. And there was an amusing moment caught by TV cameras when Luton's Tithe Chung arrived at Old Trafford and went into the wrong dressing room. He used to be a Manchester United player, so was obviously confused. Well, if Manchester United are moving up, Newcastle United are moving down, losing 2-0 at Bournemouth. Injuries and coping with the Champions League football has made demands on Eddie Howe's squad. Bournemouth was probably the last place Howe would have wanted to lose, having had two spells there as manager. Now, there's an interesting incident at the end of the game when Kieran Trippier heard Newcastle fans booing and went over to talk to them, pointing out, among other things, that Newcastle were missing key players through injury. Good to see a player engaging with fans like that. And then there was Everton, climbing to 14th place, eight points clear of relegation, with a 3-2 win at Crystal Palace. 
goals from Abdoulaye Dukore from Mali and Idrissa Gay from Senegal helping them. But there was another interesting talking point in that game with Eberechi Eze of Crystal Palace, born in London of Nigerian parents, twice went down under a challenge in the penalty area. The first time a penalty was awarded, but the second time he received a yellow card for simulation. To the naked eye, it was quite difficult to see the difference between the two tackles. And finally, Steve, the result you've been waiting for. Cray Valley Paper Mill held Charlton to 1-1 at half-time, but it finished 6-1 to Charlton Athletic. But before you're too sad about that, Cray Valley made an estimated $200,000 from that FA Cup tie which was shown on live television. Uh, yeah, I remember you told us about that on the show last week. So in the English uh, FA Cup, uh, Cray Valley Paper Mills, an eighth-tier club who went through eight rounds of qualifying to get to the first round proper of the FA Cup, where they met Charlton Athletic, a famous club of former FA Cup winners and 117 places above them in the pyramid, and managed to get a 1-1 draw and to earn that replay. So uh, that's what people call the magic of the FA Cup. Well, thanks very much, uh, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So uh, no English Premier League this weekend. International games continue around the world. Uh, In Africa, Euro 2024 qualifiers are on as well. And World Cup qualifying in South America. Brazil playing Argentina in the early hours of Wednesday morning. Uh, That'll be a big one. Well, from me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.